Writing your oncology case report is a huge undertaking, and it's easy to make silly mistakes that can derail your entire writing process. That's why you need my brand new masterclass, the three-step framework for a finished case report. In this free masterclass, you'll learn three of the biggest mistakes to avoid when writing your case report, the secrets to actually finishing your case report, no matter the patient case you've chosen, and my proven three-step framework for starting and finishing your very own oncology case report. Save your seat today at theoncopt.com slash framework. Again, that's theoncopt.com slash framework. Maybe one of the most powerful lessons that we've learned over the last year and a half is that time is not guaranteed. We only have so much of it anyways, and sometimes we don't have as much as we thought we did. And so it's really important to spend our time wisely and doing the things that are important to us, that mean something to us, where we're making a difference in the lives of others and in our community. However, sometimes our time isn't always valued. And it's important for us to reprioritize where we're spending our time, how we're spending our time. So in today's episode, we're going over how you can reclaim your very valuable, very precious time with three easy action steps you can start doing right now. Welcome to the Onco PT Podcast, where you'll learn from oncology experts, practitioners, and patients to help you on your journey to become a confident and competent Onco PT. Here's your host, Elise Decker. Hey, everybody, this is Elise, and welcome to this episode of the Onco PT Podcast. Let's jump right into the episode because we've got a ton of stuff we're covering today. Now, many of us got into physical therapy to help people. We got into oncology physical therapy specifically because we have a special calling or passion or connection or whatever you want to call it to people who have a cancer diagnosis. But as I wrote about in a previous blog post earlier this year, actually with cancer rehab and integrative medicine, we can't pour from an empty pitcher. Now, let me explain what I mean by this. Healthcare providers are giving and are generous with our time, with our skills, with our energy, with our patient, patients, excuse me, and, and much, much more. We see this time and time again, but especially over the last year and a half, it has been very prominent. Even in pre-pandemic times, I saw a lot of healthcare providers, a lot of fellow physical therapists and more who were experiencing exhaustion and burnout and maybe even questioning whether they made the right career choice. And I have to be honest, I was experiencing some of those same things. And like I said, this was pre-pandemic. I mean, I felt like the last year, even before March of 2020, I was really starting to question if I was making the right career decision for me, my family, and for my long-term future. Now, now, flash forward, I'm in a much better place. I'm in a much different position, and I'm really fortunate to be doing so. But I wanted to spend time in this episode talking about and giving you really actionable steps that you can take so that you can actually have the OncoPT career that you love. So, Maybe you're running on empty. Maybe you're in this position or maybe you're really, really close to it. And what's important for us to recognize first right off the bat is nobody is coming to save us. And maybe that sounds melodramatic. Maybe that sounds a little morbid, but it's really up to us to take care of ourselves. Because if we don't, nobody else is going to. 
And if we don't take care of ourselves, then we can't take care of our patients. And if we can't take care of our patients, nobody else is going to. Yes, maybe there will be other physical therapists who can, you know, maybe stumble their way through treatment with a person who has or had cancer, but it's not the same. We've talked time and time again on this podcast about how specialized and how really wonderful oncology physical therapy can be and all the nuances that go along with it. So it's important for us to take care of ourselves so that we can then give of ourselves to our patients. So how do we do that? How do we go about filling ourselves, filling ourselves up, filling our pitcher up again? I believe that starting to do this really comes from reclaiming our time. This is one of the most important steps that we can take. And I think it is honestly the best first step that we can take. Our time is incredibly valuable. And we should spend it doing the things that we love, both at work, but also away from work. If we work, work, work all the time, that doesn't give us the opportunity to rest and recharge and get back into maybe the things that power us, that inspire us so that we can show up at our job, at our work, and be able to give the highest quality care that we can to our patients. So, Your time is really valuable, and I want you to recognize that, and I hope you do. I hope that this point has been conveyed enthusiastically and appropriately at this point. And I think how we really need to start reclaiming our time is by taking the time away from the less important and honestly, sometimes unnecessary parts of our jobs. Now, you may already be thinking right now, of some job tasks that you would love to get off your plate. Man, if I could just not do this, that would be so great. Like I said, maybe you already have some of those tasks picked out, but if you don't, that's okay. Because in this episode, we're going to cover three action items that you can start doing right now, as in go into the clinic maybe tomorrow or your hospital or wherever you're working, so that you can start reclaiming your precious, valuable time from these time-wasting habits and activities that you may participate in. All right, so action item number one is don't sit in your email inbox all day long. When I first started working as a physical therapist, I would leave two things open on my computer all day long. So I was in a facility where I had my own designated laptop that I could carry around with me and, you know, do my documentation, etc. on it. And so those two things that I would have open on my computer all day long were the documentation system and my email. And all day, I would alternate between doing my documentation and then checking my email. My thought process behind this was, I won't miss anything if I have both of these open. I can grab quick moments where I can do some documentation, and then I can just check email to make sure that I'm not missing anything important. In fact, I actually missed a lot with my current, with this approach that I had as to using my, using my computer and using the apps on it. Oftentimes, I was so focused on reading and then acknowledging every email as soon as it came in that I wasted the precious time that I did have when I could have been documenting, when I could have been doing this, that, and the other to make my day a little easier. And perhaps worst of all, I was paying more attention to the emails than the person in front of me. 
which is kind of embarrassing to say out loud. But now that I've had time to really reflect on that, it's definitely the truth. It was a painful truth, but it was definitely the truth. Now, if you've ever read the book, The Seven of excuse me, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, you've encountered the urgent, important matrix. Now, what this is, is it is a four square quadrant system where there, things are ranked either urgent or not urgent, and then important and not important. And so you have urgent and important. You have not important, not urgent, and then obviously the two others in there. But it's a way of categorizing different activities to say, okay, what is urgent as in needs attention now or, you know, benefits from attention soon? And then important as far as, you know, is this something that really warrants my time right now? Meaningful effort to address this. Is this going to move the needle forward in my business, in my practice with my patient, etc.? And so emails truly fall into the urgent and not important quadrant. Emails are interruptions. Now, not to bash on emails all the time, because I actually really like emails. They can be really useful ways of communicating with people. However, they are not important things that we need to be dedicating our time to throughout the day. Like I said, I like email. I use email in the OncoPT as well as in my private practice, but they are never my go-to methods of communication for urgent and important communication matters, whatever that is. Emails should not be our go-to for urgent and important matters. If something is truly urgent, if something is truly important, both of those things, then it needs to be a phone call or an in-person meeting that is scheduled. It should not be an email. And I mean this as both as you as the person sending the emails, but also you as the receiver of emails. If something is really important, it needs to be a phone call because a phone call is much more urgent. It's much more important, not necessarily always, but that's really where we need to be spending our time for urgent communication methods. So what I found to work for me is that instead of sitting on my email all day long, what I would do is I set a designated time or a couple to check my email for a set amount of time. For me, I found that I would do five minutes at the very beginning of my day before the day started, but actually after um, setting up the clinic for my first patient. I would check email again once before lunch, not on lunch. We'll talk about that more later. And then once again at the very end of the day. Now, this is probably a little overkill, to be honest. This was more than enough times to check my email to get the information that I needed. Again, if something is truly urgent and truly important, it should not be an email. If someone is sending you an email, it is urgent, meaning that we feel like we need to respond to it right away, but it's really not important. And when we start thinking about email in that way, when we start framing it in this capacity, it really opens up a lot of mental space and energy for us to do other things that are really more important for our patient care. Action item number two is prioritize your day. 
If you're like me, patient care is really only one part of the job. On top of caring for patients, we do documentation. We attend meetings. We discuss patient cases with other healthcare providers. Maybe that's in tumor boards, you know, case management meetings, any number of things. We also teach in services to colleagues or maybe to potential patients. We participate in marketing. We coordinate services for patients. We present to our colleagues. The list truly goes on and on. But I think the list is too long. We really don't need all of these things. I mean it. As physical therapists, we should spend our time, we should focus our time and our effort where it truly matters most. So when I found myself creating social media posts and, quote, marketing to physicians at my previous job, I was really frustrated and I was actually upset with myself. You see, in my former job, there was a whole army of people who worked in this company. The company paid people to do marketing. The company paid people to create social media posts. And these were not therapists. So why was I doing that? Why was I doing that? Why was I doing those things without any extra compensation? Well, that's another podcast episode in the future, so stay tuned for that. But getting back to our point here about prioritizing your day, I should have been spending my time on the truly important things. And where I think that was, was building relationships with patients. New patients, yes, but I really should have spent more time building relationships with my current patients. One of the principles that is really foundational to business as a whole, not just healthcare, not just physical therapy, but business as a whole, is that it is much easier and it is much cheaper to keep a current customer happy and coming back compared to going out and getting a new customer. And beyond that, beyond the business side of things, My job is to help people, is to treat people through my physical therapy skills and services to help them achieve their goals. Social media post creation and marketing to physicians was not actually helping any of those things in the ways that it should. Now, I do want to take a moment here to acknowledge I know some of you are practice owners, and with that, You wear many hats, meaning that you do many, many things beyond what a traditional staff physical therapist at a bigger institution does. But even then, we should not try to do it all. Yes, I create social media posts now for my private practice, but I'm not trying to market to every physician in town, and I'm not giving weekly in-services to my colleagues. That's not where my time is best spent right now. Where it's best spent is connecting with patients and building those relationships with current patients and potential patients that are in my circle. So start by prioritizing your day. What are the tasks that you need to get done this week? So we're zooming out here. Now we're going to zoom in. What are the tasks that you need to get done today. Now we're going to zoom in even more. Limit yourself. Pick just one, 
two or three tasks that you are going to get done today. Now, while this may seem like a really low number, you'd be surprised how much time one, two, or even three tasks can take you to do really well. And we're not going to half-ass any tasks here. It's really important for us to do our job well so that we can serve our patients, so that we can serve our community to the best of our ability. So I'm not promoting half-assery here. I want us to do really good work. And if we're going to do that really good work, we really need to hone in on those few, few tasks that are really going to push us forward, that are going to help us help more patients and do it well. Action item three might be one of the most challenging action items that we talk about today. And not just for new physical therapists, even for seasoned PTs, this can truly be one of the most challenging, difficult action items to implement when it comes to reclaiming some of our time. With such wonderful and accessible technology these days, it seems like everything bleeds into everything else, at least for me. Sometimes it feels like there's no end to the workday. It just kind of keeps going. And then at some point I'll go to bed, wake up and then start it all over again. So how can we make clear distinctions between our work time and our not work time? And I've broken it down further into a couple key steps that I want you to start with so that this can actually be feasible and implementable for you. So step one is remove your work email from your phone. And I'm not kidding. The removal of your work email from your phone is a solid and beautiful barrier between you and the workday. This is not going to fix everything, but it can certainly help keep work from coming home with you as often as what it does when you do have your work email on your phone. Again, like I've talked about previously in this episode, if it's truly important, if it's truly urgent, it needs to be a phone call, not an email. When patients are emailing me, it's because they have a question or they need some information outside of their session. I am not getting emailed about emergencies. And I'm going to talk more about emergencies in step two. So if it's urgent, if it's important, if it's an emergency, it needs to be a phone call. Step two here is don't answer work calls outside of work. Now you might be thinking, Elise, you just said that emergencies need to be a phone call. What the heck? I stand by my original statement. I can count the number of true emergencies that I've had that I needed to be notified about outside of working hours on one hand. While emergencies can happen, they are rare. For example, one time I had a coworker who got into a really bad accident and could not come into work. Coworker called me, let me know this was truly like an emergent situation, and we dealt with it and everything turned out just fine. That happened once. But here's what happens much, much more often. We answer the phone during not work hours, and then we get more work piled on our plate for the next day, for the next week, for the next month. 
One time in particular, I was getting my hair and makeup trial done for my wedding that was in just a few short weeks. And I was sitting in the chair. The um, stylist was, again, doing my hair. And I, I saw that my phone was ringing. And it was my supervisor. And so I picked it up against my better judgment. And what ended up happening from that conversation is that my supervisor forgot that he had a presentation that he signed up for that was due next week. And by the end of that conversation, I was tasked with finding articles for his presentation that he forgot about. What kind of crap is that? So the lesson of this is don't answer your phone. And here's my recommendation instead. If you're getting a call related to work, outside of your work hours, don't answer it. Let it go to voicemail and then check the voicemail. At this time, you can determine, is this a true emergency? And then you can call back. If it's not an emergency, then save it for the next day. If it's not an emergency, it can wait to be dealt with. But this way, there is just one more barrier between you and work between your precious non-work time, your leisure time, your family time, your you time, and between your work day. So don't answer your phone, wait for it to go voicemail, and then check it later. Step three is set your work hours. This may seem kind of crazy because you probably have a schedule that you adhere to. You show up at eight, you leave at five, and that's when you treat patients. But do those hours actually match the time that you spend working? They should. Or they should at least be very, very close to the time that you are supposed to be at work. So what this means is, I don't want you spending hours and hours of your time doing work outside of work. Don't spend hours and hours on documentation after the workday is done. And one of my really big things is don't take documentation home. As the daughter of a nurse, I spent many weekends growing up at the cancer center, which, again, might seem a little weird. It was fun to get to play in the wig room with my sister on a Saturday morning. But what was really happening is that my mom needed to go up to the cancer center so she could finish her documentation. It's not because she's slow. It's not because she's bad at documentation. She's one of the best nurses that I have ever heard people talk about. And my patients will give you an earful about who they think is a good nurse and who isn't. My mom's a good nurse. And she does a good job. Heck, she does a great job with her patients. An excellent nurse. But I learned from watching that that I never wanted to take documentation home. There was so little time that I got to spend with my mom because it felt like she was working a lot because she was. She was providing for us, obviously. But I felt like, man, that's no way to spend a weekend. And so I decided from a very young age that I would never do that. And so when I started working as a therapist, I refused to take my documentation home. And if it didn't get done that day, it would get done the next day. No exceptions. Now, it was really hard at first to do this as I was getting used to the documentation system, as I was learning to do documentation truly by myself, but it did get better. And once I kind of got over that hump, 
documentation did not come home with me and I would allot myself a specific amount of time after work to get it done. Otherwise, it was time to leave. Another thing here, lunchtime is not work time. You are not paid for your lunch break. You probably aren't paid anymore if you squeeze in patients over your lunch break. You're working for free. And that doesn't help you, but it certainly helps the institution that you work for. So do not work for free. Take your lunch break. Take your breaks if you get breaks. Now, I know that this might seem impossible, that these action steps can seem great in idea, but can they actually be implemented and useful in a real life setting? I'm not going to lie to you. This can be very challenging to implement at first, but you can do it. And you can train your colleagues and your supervisors to respect you and your time. So I've got two additional helper strategies here to assist with the actual implementation of these action steps. So here's how to ensure patients won't call you with an emergency. Lay out, lay down the law on what to do when something goes wrong, if something goes wrong. Give them explicit instructions and review them. It's part of your education. So anytime that I'm working with a patient that I'm bandaging, I will give them kind of the rules of of bandaging as far as if this starts to feel bad, if this starts to hurt, if something is clearly wrong, take it off. Don't call me. I literally tell them this. Don't call me. Take it off. Reroll it and then bring it back into your next session. That's it. Patients get it and they understand it and they abide by it. They know what to do. And so I don't get calls at 9 p.m. at night saying, my bandaging is too tight, what do I do? Because I've already addressed it with them. Now here's how to train your colleagues and your supervisors to respect you in your time. Tell them your terms. Don't keep these action items a secret. Tell them what you are doing and stick to these action items. Yeah, it might take a couple tries. It's not going to be perfect, but they will eventually get it. One of my former employers, uh, when I worked in college, used to say, a lack of planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. And I really didn't get it until I started working an adult job, until I started working at my first therapy job. Your time is so valuable, is so precious, and we don't get any more of it. It's time that your time should be respected and treated as such. And if your time isn't valued and isn't respected, it might be time to ask yourself a kind of challenging question here. Is this somewhere I want to be long term? Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the OncoPT podcast. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate your time and you choosing to spend your time with me in today's episode. Have a great rest of your week, and I will see you in next week's episode. Documentation is a necessary part of the skilled care we provide, but it can be time-consuming and require way too much brain power at the end of a long day. You need an easy button to get high-quality documentation done faster. You're going to love my new documentation templates, which you can find for free at theoncopt.com documentation. Again, that's theoncopt.com documentation.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Onco PT Podcast. For more episodes, visit theoncopt.com. 